Hi, and welcome to Season 2 of Big Sound Small Town, the podcast that spotlights the talented and diverse musicians in small towns and communities. This season, we're branching out to include the community of people who make it possible for musicians to be able to perform their music. The producers, the recording engineers, the venue owners, and many others. And as always, the small town musicians. Remember, small town doesn't mean small talent. Hear their stories. Sound Small Town. I'm in the Hunt House Bed and Breakfast in Lattimore, North Carolina to talk with my guest, Jackson Martin, who is a second generation Cleveland County musician. Welcome to the show, Jackson. Thank you for having me. All right. Where would you like to begin this story? Well, I I think I'll start by just saying uh, that I've followed this since you contacted me, and it's been very interesting to see the other interviews, and uh, uh, it's an absolute honor to even be considered for this kind of podcast. So it's, thanks for con- uh, contacting me. Well, it's my pleasure to have you on here. Uh, you have a different story than uh, anyone I've had on here before. I mean, your dad is a big part of Cleveland County music history, and you're a second generation and speak to a whole different group of people. Uh, so I'm I'm just tickled to death to have you here. Glad to be here. And- and, and Dad's generation has been a huge influence on me. Uh, you and I were talking earlier. You know, he was in two bands for a long time and a 
and a third band, and you'll have to get him on this podcast. Oh, yes, I plan and, to. Um, you'll have to help me probably. Yeah, I'll, I'll be glad to spur him on that. But, you know, to be to hear the stories of the good old days and the uh, and the musicianship and then the recordings that were, you know, passed down to me. Right. Uh, Mike Lynch, Doug Ross, and Chris Rogers, Rogers played in a band with Dad called The Mellow Fellas, and they recorded that. They recorded a live show at the vault in Forest City, I think in like 98. And I listened to that tape from eighth grade until I was like 21 years old. It's like really? one of the only five albums that I listened to over and over. And so, yeah, pretty big influence on my musician career. And that uh, vault career. used to be a bank. That's right. So That's right. For people who are listening, that was a bank in Forest City that was turned into a music venue. Yes. So. And it was a great show, but I remember not being too interested at the time and not realizing, you know, how much of an impact. In fact, me and my buddy uh, Eric left about halfway through that show and just went and walked around town because we thought that was more interesting than the than the show. I hate to admit that. Sorry, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so so we're getting an idea of where you started listening to music. I mean, yeah. I mean, did did I? During this time you growing up, I mean, was your dad around the house playing or just... Uh... Yeah, dad, you know, had the, the banjo and the guitar and he pretty much played the guitar um, every night, you know, just sat in his shop and, and practiced and played. And, um, you know, I got a good feel of him playing and, and, the, and those guys coming over and practicing with him. And that was, you know, super interesting. But we always had a piano laying around or a fiddle. In fact, dad still has both of his grandfather's fiddles. Oh, that's wonderful. You know, so that's my great-grandfather's fiddles on, you know, two different branches there. And my grandmother, his mother, played the organ at Lattimore Church for 40 years, you know, so music was going to be a, a part of my life. I just didn't really know it. And, uh, you know, he taught me twinkle, twinkle on the fiddle oh, yeah. and a few chords on the guitar. But pretty much I, I started playing sax in the high school, middle school and high school band and uh, where would that have been? That was uh, 97 to 2002. Graduated from Crest, then went to NC State, and I took my piano and my fiddle and my saxophone and messed around with my roommate Chance Witherspoon and uh, sweet mate Tommy Peake and uh, a few of those guys, and we you know, actually did record some music. Oh, that's, that's but it was mostly just for fun, and right. I hope it does not surface. <laughs> And, uh, and one day he said, why don't uh, we go try out for this uh, bluegrass band at NC State? And I said, well, yeah, we're not good enough for that. But we went anyway, and they accepted us into Wolfgrass, the oh, bluegrass cool. band at NC State. And so, again, not really a fiddle player, but we're going to fake it till I make it. Mm -hmm. And uh, we jumped right in there, and that was, my, that was one of my first bands. And it's interesting that when you, you called me, I was thinking, you know, maybe, maybe he's going to interview me about being a DJ and I thought, well, I'll talk a little bit about my band history. And I went through my Facebook pictures. And I was like, oh, there's a band I was in. Oh, there's a band I was in. Ten bands since college is how many <laughs> bands I was in. Would you like to run a list of those? I, I, I absolutely would like to. And, and the musicians that I've played with in this sure. town, you know, there's, uh, I, you know, the musicians in Shelby, I give them all, you know, seven to tens. I agree. And I've always felt like a, a three that you know just jumped in and, and kind of held on and, and and again fake it till you make it um, sax player keyboard player and uh, but it's because of all the musicians in this town that you know gave me my 
that helped build my music career, which did ultimately turn into uh, a DJ and, and my Wolfman Entertainment business, which has been a, a great side job. So now you came back from North Carolina State. You played you played bluegrass there, come back, right, and and actually get a job. That's right. And then and, yeah. then, and then you started hooking back up with people you knew here musically. Is that how that happened? That is uh, naturally you have to have a job to support your True. music yeah, your yeah. musicianship. Yeah. And so uh, I started teaching at Shelby High and did that for ten and a half years. And Dad and I always had three songs that we could play. He, he on the guitar, me on the sax. And he's a great musician, but I could make it look like I was a good musician <laughs> on these three songs. And uh, unfortunately for Nick Patterson, who uh, had been playing in a band, Five Point Remedy with Scott Moss, right. um, Nick was at a party that my dad and I were playing at. And he invited me to come play and try out for his band. And I was like, oh, no. I told him no for, I think, weeks and finally, I went to his house, and it was, it was him and Corbett Richards from Five Point Remedy, right. Evan Seeley playing bass, yeah. and uh, they had a brand-new singer named Darren Best from Rutherford County. And, you know, I'd never heard any of these songs. I mean, I was, you know, been listening to the, my dad's tape <laughs> and some bluegrass, and they were playing, you know, this jam band, rock and roll stuff. And I just pulled the sax out and played along for four hours, and they kind of huddled together and said, yeah, we, we'd like to have you. And so that started my you know band career in Shelby, playing with those guys. As a saxophone player. As a sax player, you know. And again, I had only knew three songs on the sax at that point in time. And, and uh, we started practicing in, in Nick Patterson's garage uh, with legendary sound man Randy Waters. He was, uh, you know, been in the music industry forever. And he came over. And that band, we practiced from January of 2007 till uh, somewhere in August of 2007, every Sunday for four hours, and probably only gigged like five times. <laughs> what was the name of that band? That band was called Mojo Howlin', and that was because when Nick would play the harmonica, his dog was named Mojo, would start howling. Howlin'. I mean, uh, <laughs> over the sound of our practice. Oh, yeah. And so we named the band Mojo Howlin', and, and, and with four hours of practice in six months, we went out, and when we gigged, you know, people thought we were the best band, you know, because sure. we were tight. Yeah, you were. <laughs> when you do sure. a festival show and you only get, you know, 45 minutes or an hour, right. and for a jam band, that was only like three songs. True. And so, True. you know, we would just smoke it, and we kind of made a name for ourselves. And that was in 2007, and uh, our lead singer decided to go in a little different direction, and this is going to tie all these bands together. It's <laughs> okay. amazing when I started going through this. Um, so in the fall of 2007, Scott Moss was looking for a band, and our band was looking for a singer. Ah. And so Nick and Corbett got in contact with Scott and we met and brought in Lance Watson, yes. you know, who player. was a mandolin player. Dirty Grass Soul. He's playing in Dirty Grass Soul. As a bass player. And, he, and we brought him <laughs> in as a bass player, you know, and I think he came in with a fretless bass, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, he's got so much energy and, and Nick was a, just a great guitar player and harmonica player. And Corbett, I've never to this day played with a drummer that that kept you at a level 10 energy, you know, for every song. I mean, we were just so hyped the whole time. And then Scott, of course, of course yeah. best singer. And so that was all in the fall of 2007, and we called that band The Dirty Farm. Oh, okay. And we did that for about a whole year. In fact, we opened up for Scott's festival, Dayglow, oh, I yeah, think, in Day the Glow. fall of 2008. That's where actually the bus came from that is the bed and breakfast at Scott's. That's exactly right. That's exactly <laughs> right. And... uh and Scott was great. That was a great band, you know, and we gigged and, and toured and that sort of thing. 
And then like, uh, like all bands, you know, it's harder to keep a band together than a, than a marriage and you've got five husbands and wives to entertain. True. And so everything just kind of dissolved with that one. But <laughs> like many musicians in this town, I had been asked to play in some other bands during that same time. Oh yeah. And this, again, you know, all of these musicians, I'm learning different things from each one of these guys. And uh, Evan Seeley, that was the bass player for Mojo Howland, invited me to play with Ned Lucas, who was, yeah, I, I mean, he brought his whole organ and M&B. a Leslie cabinet to every show. You M&B3. know, B3. Uh, it was amazing, you know. And, uh, and John Martin, uh, drummer and yes. band organizer extraordinaire. Yep. Um, and, and they brought in all these people. It was called the Traffic, All-Star Traffic Jam Band, I think was the name of it. And um, we played, you know, five or ten times in Shelby and, and, and did some private parties. Uh, Bobby Jones sat in with us. Um, Randy Saxon sat in with us. You know, just everybody played in that band. So that was really neat to get to play oh, with yeah, those I'm musicians. Sure was, yeah. And there was another band at that time that was pretty popular in Shelby called Calm and Collective. Right. They were led by Mike McKinnish. And somewhere or another, we saw each other, and he asked me to play in that band. I had to follow in the footsteps of Phil Loveless, yes. who is <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. one of the most phenomenal horn players, I, uh, I, and especially in this town. Yep. And there was no way to, to fill his shoes. I listened to those CDs they had recorded, and I was like, I can't do this. Nakeo Wallace, was he the drummer? Uh, not at that point in time. Okay. It was Vince McClooney. Okay. Let's see. In Comic Collective at that time, it was Justin Harper, Vince McClooney, um, Barry Dalton from Rutherford County played bongos, so that was you know certainly yeah. a different sound yeah. for any other bands in, in Shelby. Mike McKinnish on uh, lead singing and guitar, and then I came in on saxophone. And I probably played with that band for three or four years, um, and it transitioned a lot as as many bands do. Right. But uh, and I can keep going if you want me to just keep oh, going. Yeah, keep on. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's the whole idea of this podcast. Well, I'm trying to think so. Um, with Common Collective and the Dirty Farm um, that I was playing in, I love the Dirty Farm because we absolutely, you know, had this festival vibe, and you know, we had these cool fans, you know, and it was just awesome. With but we did a lot of practicing and then little gigging. With Common Collective, we never got to practice because <laughs> we were booked every Thursday, Friday, Saturday somewhere. That's, that's generally the way it goes. I mean, that was my favorite part, you know. And of course, we weren't getting, it, you know, it was not about the money because course, it's never about. The we money. always owed more money than we made at the at the end of the night. But um, my goodness, played with uh, Stephen Poteet from um, Rutherford County, one of the greatest guitar players yes, ever. I mean, he's just amazing. Uh, Nikeo Wallace came on and started playing drums. We met up with Rocky Goriello and um, Jonathan Goriello from Rutherford County, right. two phenomenal musicians. John Floyd played bass for that band, yeah. and he's amazing. Um, and Justin Harper, of course, was in that band for a, a long time. And <laughs> this, is, this is like 2008 fall. The Dirty Farm kind of dissolves away, and we kind of move over into, you know, I'm playing with Common Collective mostly. And another guy pops up. This is another phenomenal musician. Clay Crotz. Uh, yeah. I mean, he can sing like no other, and uh, and and writes good songs, and 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 he was a fine soccer player too. Oh, I yes, he is absolutely, and he he brought me on with him and Jason Huntsinger, and we played for probably two or three years together. Every time he would come back to town, he right. he lived in Wilmington most of that time, and we even went down to Wilmington and played some shows. You know, uh, uh, that was fun and interesting, and uh, he was so good, and uh, I do I miss playing with him. 
what's up clay if you listen to this <laughs> and let's see so that's all kind of coming together and and unfortunately i think in the spring of well this is not unfortunate in the spring of 2011 common collective switches from a jazz reggae band to a country pop band <laughs> so um so dirty farm ended in about 08 and i'm playing with common collective and we've you know done a great job touring and, and playing every thursday friday saturday um and then we transfer over into this country band and i pick the fiddle back up <laughs> oh okay <laughs> and so that's interesting what prompted this transition i don't remember exactly and and i hope you get a chance to interview mike mckinnish um because you know that was really strange um and but it was what the town wanted for sure okay the yeah. town needed a country band and uh and you'll see you'll see why in just a second so we we played from like january february march of uh 2011 all the way through the summer in a country band <laughs> called potter's clay project so we dropped the name common collective switched over to potter's clay project and uh, somewhere near the, and brought on Lance Watson again. Yeah. <laughs> he was playing mandolin this time. Okay. Uh, Brandon Manis from Lincolnton played the drums for us. Justin Harper was on the bass or guitar and, and Mike was playing. And then all of a sudden, uh, Mike had to quit singing. And so we were looking for a singer and Lance was like, I don't think I can stick around for this I'm, I've got another band I'm starting with Kevin Deadman I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Kevin and in hindsight that was the right choice for Lance <laughs> to make for sure I believe it was and yeah. um, and so you know that was the time when uh, Lance and Kevin started Dirty Grass Soul and I mean they have just you know yes, taken it to, to the peak. He was a great interview I, I had Kevin on uh, he was the first show that I aired and uh, a great guy nice guy oh absolutely and a cousin of mine which oh I, really absolutely. Well, you know, most of our trees around here don't fall yeah, too far. True. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, and Kevin has done uh, amazing. And um, and that band, oh my gosh. Yeah, you know, they're good. And, and fun and have such a strong following. Um, and so but so we needed a singer, and now we needed a, a, another musician in the band, and we just happened to run into a guy named Justin Blaylock. And this is probably not a name anybody's familiar with, but he yeah. came from... I think, you know, Lincolnton area. And he had the Johnny Cash, Merle Haggard backstory. I mean, you know, a, a past that would make for a good musician that's gonna I be famous. Yes. And a voice that not only matched that, but exceeded it. Um, I've never heard a singer like uh, Justin Blaylock. And he brought on his own guitar player and they had a band called the Boxcar Hobos. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, when we would book a show, we wanted to call it Potter's Clay, so we'd say it's the Potter's Clay Project featuring the Boxcar Hobos. And when they'd book a show in Lincolnton, it would be the Boxcar Hobos featuring Potter's Clay Band. That's, that's good. And that so, works. you know, we worked that out. And, uh, and then naturally, like all things, that came to an end. And uh, I picked up with a, another set of ridiculously talented musicians, Josh Allison and Tyler Melton. <laughs> I mean, I do know them very well, and I hope you get a chance to interview both of them. Uh, you know, Josh comes from a second generation. He does. I've done his father. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, because you know, that's great musicians there, and um, they had a little duo they called the Josh and Tyler Show, yep. and they would have me on featuring Jackson Martin on sax, and we probably did that for two or three 
whole years. You know, he's playing with Kevin. They're playing with Kevin Bridges now, and they're called what we thought. Todd Hamby and their call kill devils. My goodness. Well, that's what they needed to be doing. I mean, those guys are so talented, you know, that that you hate to see any of it wasted. And uh, I'm glad to hear that because in 2014, I think I played my last show with those guys, and I haven't touched the sax again until like three months ago. My church asked me to play it, and so oh, really? I, I played for church. And so that's 2014, and this is 2019. That's a long time to it not is. play the sax. Are you playing the? Or you, have you been playing the fiddle during that time? Not a lick, you know. Again, well, I'll take that back. I still know my one song on the fiddle, <laughs> and I have actually played it at many weddings and funerals. And I still know my three songs on the sax, and have played, you know, them maybe right. at, at some weddings or some funerals. But, <laughs> but as far as any performance, not and, since 2014. And we'll go into why all that changed. Yeah. Oh man, that's uh, that led right into it. So long about 2012. I was gigging at uh, a pretty common place, and, and I'd also at this time like to give a shout out to all the musicians that I've been involved with, but also the venues that have True. provided the place. You know, starting back with, for me, and this is my generation, Ichabod's, right. Arizona's, then Pleasant City, right. Mi Pueblitos, Helms. Yeah. Um, you know, that, those places, I mean, we, we played at all those, and they kept us going and, you know, provided the nightlife that everybody was entertained by. And that's good, too, because actually the first person that's brought up venues, it's changed over the years since I've been here. Actually, you can stay in Shelby and play jobs now, uh, as opposed to most of the jobs you have here in town being private functions. Right. Or DAVs or MVETs, private clubs. So it's changed for the better. And your generation actually have gotten benefit from that. Oh, absolutely. You know, and that's, I, I hear, you know, the, the old stories about, you know, people playing in the, in the same places, you know, for, for years uh, before us. And so, you know, glad to have those venues and yeah. glad they supported the, the musicianship. Um, so I was playing at one of those, and I won't say which one exactly, but I finished playing a sax solo that, you know, I thought was pretty good. And my guitar player had definitely just played a solo that I thought was the best thing I'd ever heard. And I expected to look up and see the crowd on their feet, you know, just <laughs> applauding and saying, this is amazing. And we got the, you know, the typical golf clap from, you know, it's a restaurant, right. so we shouldn't expect that, yeah. but you know, I thought it was so good. I know that feeling very well. <laughs> we put it, and I'm not bitter about that at all, because it was, you know, that's commonplace. And it we, is, it is. I put on my iPod, and during one of the breaks, and out of nowhere came like 50 people and they just started dancing to what I had put on the iPod. Ah. Now that was a little heartbreaking to know that those 50 people <laughs> were in there and weren't out there for us playing. Right. And so I think I let that iPod play for like 45 minutes and I, I went up to the, to the bar manager and I said, you know, what do you think about me coming in here and DJing? And uh, they said, yeah, we can do that. And I said, well, you know, what's the pay? And he said, well, it's the same thing we pay the band, you know. Oh, and yeah. I was like, wait oh, a yeah, minute. Good. I got a six-person band <laughs> exactly. that has been practicing music, you know, for 20 years and has all this equipment, and, and I'm going to get paid the same amount to come in with my iPod. And he's like, yeah, that's just what we pay. And I was like, well, I think I'll give that a try. Really? And so that began my DJ Wolfman uh, career. And um, and it was pretty, pretty easy. I already had all the sound equipment you know to run a good show and i had a, you know a laptop and i had itunes and i didn't know what i was doing but i i was the right age i mean i was 25 
and all of the people in the right. in the bar were you know 25 so i knew what the good so songs were yeah your playlist was was appropriate for exactly the time, you know so. and and, the, and they all loved it and, and it went great and then what was really helpful i had a, a cousin who asked me to um dj for a couple of his parties and he was a little younger than me and so i he introduced me to that music right so you know from the the kids that were 21 up to me i think i was 25 or 26 you know he i, I had the spread right. covered there and um and so I was DJing around town probably, you know, once a, once a month, sometimes probably once a week, you know, just depending on what venue would pick me up. And uh, then, of course, somebody asked me to DJ a wedding. I did not know whole what I was getting into. A whole different thing. <laughs> you know, a wedding is a very precise uh, one chance, you know, when you're, when you're gigging, you know, it's uh, ad lib and do whatever you want to. Right. When it's uh, a wedding, you know, you've got one chance to make everything right. And, uh, and I jumped right in there and, and bought all the right equipment, which was important, and started DJing. And now, you know, that was in 2013, I think I did my first wedding. And now this is 2019, I do about 10 or 20 weddings a year. Um, well, 10 to 20 weddings and, and big events. Right. You know, it's it's pretty much every you, other weekend. Do you still take it into the clubs ever? Not at all anymore. I think uh, I did that about two or three years ago, and it, and it was great, and it was fun, but uh, it's a lot of work, yeah, it is. <laughs> you know, to go into a club and play. It is. Well, I have rambled on a long time. You, you have, <laughs> and it's been, it's been a really good ramble. I've enjoyed it so much. Uh, you've had it. Okay. Now you no longer teach school. You want to go into some of that? You want to oh. plug some of the other stuff you do? Well, sure. Um, yeah, in 2016, uh, a little game I invented called coin hole. It's a tabletop coin bouncing game. Uh, we shot a video in my kitchen that went viral on the internet and we saw Okay, I'm back here talking with Jackson Martin, and I was just bridging the part from his musical career and teaching to what he's currently doing outside of DJing. All right, uh, so you're no longer teaching school. What That's happens right. here? Man, so in 2016, uh, a video that we shot on my, well, I guess I need to start that over, a game that I invented in 2008 called Coin Hole. It's a tabletop coin bouncing game. Now, how did you come up with this idea? A friend of mine asked me to make a mini set of cornhole boards, right. and I bounced a quarter onto it and was like, oh, you could play quarters onto this board. And didn't really think that was a great idea, but 30 minutes later, the name Coin Hole came to mind, and I started sweating and shaking and immediately, you know, and trademarked like the name. with a C-O-I-N Yes, hole. coin hole, yes. yes. Bouncing coins, and um, as soon as I, you know, had the name, I thought I was going to be a billionaire. I was, you know, ready to quit teaching then, and of right. course, couldn't sell it to anybody. Didn't know how to sell it. And then in 2016, um, after sitting on it, you know, for eight years, a video that we shot in my kitchen got it has over 20 million views wow. on Facebook now. That's great. And so that really helped us, you know, sell the product. And so now I run a, a shop in my backyard, Martin's Woodworking, and um, we have 
it's kind of seasonal. So all year long we have two or three full-time employees and at Christmas time we'll ramp up. Last year we had 56 people. Wow. And so we hope to, to see that again this Christmas. Wow, you know, we hope big. the sales are there. Yeah. That's so yep. that's going great guns. It's been pretty good. Uh, and then, like I say, it's so seasonal that uh, this spring I had the, uh, the great idea of uh, buying uh, an old family house that my great-grandfather on my mom's side, this is Jack Hunt's dad's house, uh, I decided to buy it and turn it into a bed and breakfast. And so that's where we're sitting today. Is, it is. Uh, a 1926 built old homestead um, of the Hunt's. That, uh, that we call the Hunt House, and it's been up and running now for about two months. Yeah, okay. Um, so you wanna tell us what you do here? Might as well plug it. Oh, sure, sure. This, uh, you know, it's all traditional furniture, handmade by, most of it, all the bedroom suits are handmade by Mike Michael W. Green, Antique Restoration and Replication. And, uh, you know, we, rent five it's five bed five bath we rent it by the night again it's a handmade bed with handmade furniture tvs in each room it's just a really jam up house and then of course we rent the whole house um by the night also and believe it or not it's uh it's really taken off uh we're, we're in a good location we have you know Thirty wedding venues in Cleveland County, sure, really and so we feel like that that's a, a good avenue for us to go with. We have the Ambassador Baptist College, which is just right across the road, and so we feel like when their parents are coming to visit, right. they'll need a nice place to stay. And Lattimore is the kind of town that you know, if you want to get out of the city, you know, this would be a great place True. to come. So we think that uh, that it's going to work for us. Now, do you DJ events here? Not yet, and. Uh, <laughs> I don't know that I would DJ. I think that might be a time where we might actually pull out some instruments and, and play a little oh, well, bit on the front porch. Going. That's what I was going with that. I, I was coming back to the music part to see if we're adding music to this venue at some point. Oh my goodness. Uh, no particular plans at this time. Um, you know, we, we're, I might be stretched a little thin as it is already. <laughs> well, I, listen, I know you're a busy person and I do appreciate you taking the time out of out of your busy schedule to uh, let me and uh, Cleveland County know about your life. It's a part of uh, Cleveland County musical history. Well, I, I like to say it's an honor to even be considered part of it, and uh, it was my pleasure and glad to do it. All right, thank you. Thank you. Thank you.